Welcome to the LDN Radio Show, brought to you by the LDN Research Trust. I'm your host, Linda Elsigood. I have an exciting lineup of guest speakers who are LDN experts in their field. We will be discussing low-dose naltrexone and its many uses in autoimmune diseases, cancers, etc. Thank you for joining us. So thank you so much for joining us, Linda. I'm so excited to see you. It's always a pleasure. Thank you. Quick introduction. I'm Dr. Elizabeth Livingood. I have an integrative primary care practice in Mesa, Arizona, um, suburb of Phoenix. And I'm a uh, medical advisor on the LDN Research Trust. And I've just learned so much from working with Linda. And I really appreciate you asking me to contribute to book three. Um, it's an amazing lineup and awesome information, super relevant for what's going on in everybody's world right now. But Linda gets to be in the spotlight for a minute. So um, what I thought we could do is let people know why, I know I'm gonna go in reverse order here, but why is it important to have a trust and get this information out there? Why on earth would you devote all your time to a charity about LDN? Why? Tell us okay. I'm not alone in being the only person that's been told when you're very, very sick and you can't function in any which way that there's nothing more that can be done for you. And I found LDN, I was able to function again, and I want everybody else who was in that same position as I was to have access to LDN. So we do lots of different things. Um, as Dr. Livingood said, we have now book three out. Books one and two cover different conditions. It's not a rehash of books one and two. We do conferences. We help train doctors and pharmacists in learning about LDN. We have a fantastic advisory board of LDN um, specialists. And what we want to do, um, if you Google LDN and find on the internet there is so much information out there but misinformation and what we want to do is make sure that all the information that we give out as a charity is fact and actual you know it is correct so does that answer your question yes thank you and then the other question I get a lot is why don't why do we have to have all this? Because, you know, conventional doctors don't use it. Why don't conventional doctors use this or know about it like this? Okay. Well, naltrexone has been around since the early, well, late 1970s, early 1980s. And it was a drug that was used for addictions, heroin addiction, alcohol addiction. Um, it was also used in HIV. Um, by Dr. Bernard Bahari in New York. And he started using it for MS in 1985. But now Trexone has been out of patent for many, many years. So generally, um, clinical trials are drug company driven. LDN being out of patent, that is never going to happen. Um, unfortunately, it's a cheap drug. It's a drug that um, would save millions 
if it was utilized. But because of that, it's not actually um, used in mainstream medicine because the doctors aren't trained in LDN and that is why they don't know about LDN. And there are some medical schools now that actually do train in LDN, but they're naturopathic doctors. They're not the mainstream um, doctors. But we're very, very lucky that we have several um, of our board members are MDs and they're very open-minded. Um, we've got pain specialists who are MDs, gastroenterologists, dermatologists, rheumatologists. These are people at the top of their game who realized that their patients were sick and there was a limit to what they could do to help them, but they weren't actually getting them better. So that they needed to look at, into something else. So for those doctors who are willing to listen and have the time to listen, to learn about LDN, and that is what we've been doing for the last um, next month. It will be 19 years. So, you know, slowly, slowly, there are thousands of doctors that are prescribing LDN. And we hope that there will be more medical schools that will be training doctors in the use of LDN. So what would you say to patients who have learned about it and their doctor doesn't know about it? How would you... What would you tell them to do? Okay. Well, then that that means there's an educational gap and you'll be surprised at the number of doctors who will listen to their patients because they've tried everything. They don't know what else to do. So we have a, information packs that we ask patients to take to their doctors and the doctors can um, do their own research. But we are here as a backup. So any doctor who has questions and would like to speak to one of our advisors and get the answers directly from an LDN specialist, we can arrange that. You know, if the doctor is at all interested and it's down to the patient to make the do doctor interested, uh, we're here to, to help in any way we can in helping that person get a prescription for LDN. So obviously you do a lot for us doctors um, with education, conferences. What kind of resources do you have for patients? Okay, we have a lot of patient testimonials, which is always uh, of interest to patients because you can realize that you're not alone. There are people that have trodden the same path as you before you and they explain how they got from being really sick to on the road to recovery and some of them are so many amazing stories we have over um, 2400 videos now so you can actually on our website there's um a under resources there's a tab called search condition data let's say for example you had a rare skin disease called haley haley's disease you can look up and press the button for Haley Haley's disease and all the information we have is sorted for that condition from clinical trials to conference presentations to patient testimonials. It's all there for you. It's very easy to find. 
And again, if you have any questions, we're more than willing to help and assist. But there is so much information on the website. Mm -hmm. uh, if you were to read it all, it would take you a good six months, I should think, to read it all. Yes, definitely. So the website is just this, the ldnresearchtrust.org. And that is a really powerful search tool they've got um, built into the website. Um, you can also directly contact people, like Linda said, and everybody is volunteers, from Linda to the admins to uh, medical advisors, everyone volunteers. So um, I actually, this is my own curiosity. What was it like putting these books together, Linda? I know it's a tremendous amount of work. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and some. <laughs> it, um, it's very difficult when you have multiple authors to get everybody to submit everything on time and to do the edits on time. Um, we had one doctor mentioning no names, was three months late, and that just threw everything out. But... Um, Yes, it was worth it. The information in the book is absolutely fantastic from, we've got one chapter on uh, long COVID and another one which is virally damaged tissue, which is also about COVID and what COVID does in the system and what you can do. Apart from the other bits and pieces, um, the depression can be a symptom of, of long COVID, but there is something for everybody in the book. Um, it's really well worth a read. Quite a thick book, <laughs> a lot of information to take in. And of course, we always have, we all, all the authors back up with what they're saying by having the references in the back of the book. So you can check everything is factual it's it's not just experience it is backed up with science yeah so you'll see that in the back of your book there are hundreds and hundreds of research articles cited yeah um well so in an in a condensed version i suppose tell us your story linda i know um some of us have heard it before, but it's so compelling. And like you said, when people hear other people's stories, it it's inspiring and it brings hope. So um, tell the rest of us here how it was that you discovered LDN. How long do you want me to do it for? <laughs> that is a good question. She really needs a movie. She needs a movie made about her life. Yeah. Yeah. My, well, if every, okay. So we have, um, we have about, can you do it in 10 minutes? Is that possible? 10 minutes. Yep. That's fine. Okay. okay. So, um, I was what I thought was like superwoman. I looked after two children. My husband worked away. I had a full-time job. I did the cooking, the cleaning, the gardening, studying as well i could do everything and um before christmas of 2000 i came in and my friend was here she was ready to cut my hair 
and the phone rang and it was my father and my father was hard of hearing. He didn't like speaking on the phone and he certainly never called me. He called and said, your mum has had a heart attack. They're now taking her to hospital, but they won't take me. He was in a wheelchair. He was riddled with arthritis. They won't take me. And I said, tell them to take you. I'm on my way. So I literally came in, took my coat off, put my coat back on and went. Um, it was snowing and it was icy and what would have taken about an hour and a quarter to two hours to get there. And from that point on, it, it triggered something in me. Now, I, with hindsight, I know I had MS. Um, probably from when I was 13, I had what you call over there Epstein-Barr virus. I had nearly a year off school. I was ill. It caused chronic fatigue, but I picked up so I could still carry on. So what happened then in a nutshell um my fatigue was really bad i was dragging myself out of bed going to work coming home and going to bed to do anything else i couldn't do it so i then decided um i needed a break from this cycle of being ill if i was to just go away and then come back i would leave it behind naively i thought i could do that um, I said to my husband, can we go away for Easter? And he said, oh, I can't. I, I've got to work. So my youngest daughter and I, we went to Portugal and it's normally hot and sunny at Easter. And it was very cold, wet and windy. And the rain was hitting my face on my left hand side. And I got numbness and pins and needles. And I was cold and tired, but... Uh, I put that down to the weather too. So when I came back, I saw my neurologist and he said, I'd like to send uh, my doctor. He said, I'd like to send you to see a neurologist, which I didn't get the appointment until August. Um, by that time, the left-hand side of my body was numb with pins and needles. I lost my bowel and bladder control. Cognitively, it was though English was my second language. I couldn't recall vocabulary. I couldn't remember things. I'd put a sentence together in my head and it made sense to me. But when it came out of my mouth, nobody else understood it. I was choking on my food. I was slurring my words. I had numbness, pins and needles, twitching legs, burning limbs, you name it. Um, I was diagnosed or oh, optic neuritis as well. The doctor gave me um, MRI, evoke potential tests, 28 blood tests, um, a lumbar puncture, and it came back. I had an MS. It was quite funny because before, while I was waiting for the neurologist to come and see me, I was admitted to hospital. Um, a nurse came and said to me, so how long have you had MS? So I said, I haven't got MS. She said, oh, I must have the wrong patient. So when the neurologist came and he started talking and he said, you've got MS, I thought, yes, I, I, I realised that, you know, the nurse shouldn't have said, but uh, I knew it was uh, MS. So I'd had, um, I was diagnosed with relapsing remitting and I had a three-day intravenous steroids 
and I'd lost the hearing in my left ear as well and the double vision and the neurologist was very worried um, that I was going to be because I was in a wheelchair because I couldn't walk I had no balance bad vertigo etc etc um, he thought that I was going to end up blind and deaf as well as not being able to move so he wanted to give me another three days of steroids. I wished I hadn't have had them. They didn't work. But anyway, I had them. And it was about a year later, I had another three-day course. But by um, September 2003, in between, I was getting relapses every six months. So if normal was here, I'd have a relapse and I would drop. And then I'd just go up just a fraction and then I'd have another relapse and drop and go up a little bit and drop. So that normal level kept dropping lower and lower. So by September 2003, I was told that I was secondary progressive MS and there was nothing more that could be done for me. I had been on Rebif for eight months, I believe can't remember but it made me really really sick um and I saw a, a gastroenterologist and I had before I started Rebif I had to have a blood test and my liver function was fine three months later my liver function was in the red and my neurologist said oh it will settle down so I had another blood test and it was even further in the red by which time I was seeing a gastroenterologist and she said to me, what are you doing? You're killing your liver. You're doing irreversible damage. I'll have to speak to your neurologist. We'll have to sort something out. And I went home and I thought, it's my body and it's now time for me to say, stop. I'm not taking it anymore. And I stopped taking the rebirth. But as I say, I was then told, there was nothing more that could be done for me in September 2003. And I started LDN on the 3rd of December that year, 2003. And I was told that it was difficult to get a prescription. I had to get it privately. Very difficult. Um, and the way that LDN was taken in those days is a lot different than it is today. But I was told that you could have introductory side effects. Now, I would have done anything to try and get better. The more side effects, the better. I wanted to know, I wanted to get all these side effects to know that LDM was doing something for me. It did nothing. Three weeks, nothing. I could have been taking saccharin or paracetamol. It did nothing. Nothing bad, but nothing good either. And then I woke up one morning and normally when I woke up and for a split second, just a split second, because I used to have a lot of pain, an awful lot of pain, I could wake up and think, I feel okay. And by the time I'd thought I feel okay, I could feel everything again, everything was there. But after three weeks, the clarity of mind, the cognitive problem that I had where 
I always like it being in a television set that wasn't tuned in. You couldn't see properly. You couldn't hear properly. You couldn't think. And suddenly it was like somebody turned this switch on and my thought process, I could think again. You know, that was to me absolutely mind blowing. And secretly, and I hadn't told anybody, I was worried that I was getting some form of dementia because I couldn't recall anything. And my memories are absolutely everything. And I was losing that. I was losing me amongst all of this. And it took 18 months. Um, my eyesight is fine. My glasses, I have prisms. The hearings come back in my left ear. Numbness and pins and needles has gone. My husband still says I talk a lot of rubbish, but that's um, a different story. <laughs> but, you know, I can achieve things. I can plan things. I can do them. I wouldn't say I'm 100% back, but I'm in a place where I'm more than happy with, with how I am. Um, how long have I got left? You're you're doing awesome. I, I want to interject because I know you're doing this on the speed version, but you were bedridden. I mean, it, you weren't just in pain. You were completely bedridden. Yeah. Yeah. So in, in a wheelchair. And I used yeah. to have to be put in a wheelchair to go to hospital. And I was the person that was slumped asleep in the wheelchair because it, it just took everything out of me to actually get out of bed. And at that point, I had to be showered. I had to be fed because I didn't know where my mouth was. Um, it was so exhausting to actually somebody help me to bed, to shower me, to put me back in bed. That took hours. And I would have what I would call a nap where I just couldn't do anything. I just had to... if somebody pushed me I could fall asleep while I was talking I could fall asleep listening to somebody talk and mm. I would sleep for three or four hours and wake up and think I'd had like five minutes but it's hard to explain to people what chronic fatigue is when you go to bed and your energy levels are like a battery that's flashing red and you can sleep all night and wake up and that battery is still flashing red you know, and some days you'd have some energy and you'd do something. And as I say, it would then just flatten you again. Very, very difficult to to do anything when you're that tired. So before we connected on Zoom here, I mentioned how the dose for LDN should be customized. It's usually titrated. And you mentioned it was 18 months before you had this really full recovery but yep. you, want, you mentioned something about how did you know you were on the right track what was that first sign that you're like ah oh, something's working it, it was cognitively it mm -hmm. was the beginning I had a thought process again rather than wading through all this mud you know I just it's very hard to explain that my clarity of mind just wasn't there everything was a struggle struggle to think to talk see to hear and that was and that only was after, what? sorry, sorry? That, that was only after three weeks right 
Yeah. Yeah. And it, it wasn't a hundred percent, but it had improved where it then gave me hope. Mm -hmm. You know? Yeah. Um, but when I started the protocol for taking LDN was three milligrams for a month and then you took 4.5 now as you know three milligram for some people is too high and will always be too high you know their optimal dose could be 1.5 so the fallout rate was high and then just jumping from three to 4.5 was also too big a stretch but these days depending on the condition you could start on 0.5 a lot of people start on 1.5 and increase um slowly over time and decrease um but some people still haven't got the message that if you are having side effects you do not increase the dose because some people are under the impression that okay i've got xyz since i started taking ldm but if i get on a higher dose that will probably go well, the chances are the side effect you've got is going to increase with the dose. Mm -hmm. So you have to wait, drop back um, in, in some cases. If it's still there after a few days, you know, go back and don't increase until you feel OK. It's difficult to explain to people. It's not like paracetamol you take two, four times a day. It's what your body would tolerate mm -hmm. so it's important to work with a provider who understands oh yes you can make the current dosing yeah so we have about five minutes left on the zoom and i was wondering if anybody had any questions they wanted to ask linda herself while she's with us Harris? how many milligrams are you on now 4.5 do you have any side effects no no a lot of people who take ldn find that it protects them and i don't know whether you've noticed this they don't get sick they don't get colds they don't get flu they don't pick up all these things that didn't happen to me did not happen to me okay. i catch everything okay coughs colds sinusitis you name it i'll catch it but for some people it does protect them but do i care no <laughs> I, yeah. it's yeah. okay i only have i don't call them relapses i call them flares on by the way i have now been diagnosed as being primary progressive ms so i've worked my way through through the lot um i can lose my bladder control my legs can go weak and horrible and I have to use a wheelchair when I get an infection. But it's like, okay, that's fine. It will go. So when the infection's gone, I go back to where I was before, which was something that had never happened. So with my knowledge of having these flares due to infections, whether they're viral or bacterial i'm relaxed about it because i have done this since 2003 or 2004 when i had the first one 
I'm quite relaxed knowing that I'm going to be okay once it's gone and touch wood. Mm -hmm. <laughs> That's always been the case. Mm -hmm. And then we have one more question. Okay. Yeah. Back in 2003, how did you find LDN? Very, very difficult because in those days, the internet wasn't as it is today. I mean, it's quite easy to put things in Google and it comes up. But I did manage to find chat rooms, which they had as a free runner to all these social media platforms. Um, I knew that I wasn't unique, that there were other people out there like me. Very difficult to find people. But I found um, three or four people who were happy and willing to talk to me. Um, they all said the same thing, that if it doesn't do you any good, it's not going to do you any harm. And I was at the point where even if there was a slight chance of it doing me harm, I would have still tried it because there was nothing else to try. And we don't have naturopathic doctors and certainly not back then. Um, but I managed to find a doctor in England. Um, he sent me to my own doctor and my doctor wouldn't prescribe and he prescribed it privately for me. So that's how I managed to get it and unfortunately he's no longer with us but I shall be eternally grateful yes well um Linda thank you so much for joining us um from across the pond um some familiar faces back there in case you wanted to say hi it's Sharon <laughs> Um, but thank you so much for joining our group and for getting this book out. So we're going to talk a little bit more. We've got um, one of our pharmacists here that you probably have worked with, Dr. Peter from Elements Compounding here in Mesa. And um, are you technically Gilbert or Mesa? Mesa Gilbert border. Anyway, so we're going to keep chatting, but um, okay. the meeting will close. So I just want to thank you so much for being here with us. Okay. Wonderful. Thank you very much for the invite. Bye-bye. Any questions or comments you may have, please email me, linda, L-I-N-D-A, at ldnrt.org. I look forward to hearing from you. Thank you for joining us today. We really appreciated your company. Until next time, stay safe and keep well.